0: Wendy have been such a phenomenal um, addition to this family. Uh, I just so appreciate how they operate in honor, how they love a relationship. Um, They're just amazing. So I'm not going to build this up too much because Robert hates that and he has to live up to that high bar. But I would like to point out one thing that I think is kind of funny is normally he's behind a keyboard when you see him and somehow he still worked it out that even though he's speaking, he's still behind another keyboard. So I feel like that was planned. But let's just extend our hands. We want to bless this man as he brings the word. Father, we thank you for Robert. God, we thank you for the message that he brings today. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just give him the grace to communicate what's on your heart, and we would be able to receive it, Lord, from you through him. We bless him in the name of Jesus, and we say, we're ready.
1: Amen. Wow. Well, thank you, and good morning, everybody. I think it's appropriate before I start, though, that I I thank you, Pastor Joshua, for allowing me this opportunity. Um, Whoa. This happens to me when the Holy Spirit comes on me, so just bear with me for a moment. Um, You have shown me such a great honor by allowing me this privilege, and so I just want to thank you so much for allowing me to share, and I I just I love you and and the entire pastoral staff, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And also... I, I need to acknowledge my wife, um, you, are, you are everything to me, and you, whoa, you, you are such a representation of Jesus in the flesh every day for me, and I love you so very much for that, so this is, um, I, I, I just love you. Ten years in September, so... <laughs> I would guess that most of you have never heard me say more than 10, or 10 words at a time. Most of the time I'm very quiet. I don't speak unless I need to speak. I like to sit back and just watch what's going on. And if somebody asks me to do something, I love jumping to the Ford and just taking control of it. So um, though you have probably never heard me say a lot of words, um, I have, uh, my wife and I have been in ministry since uh, I was 17. You were 20 uh, something. Um, We've been college pastors, we've been youth pastors, we've been worship pastors. Um, So this is uh, not a new rodeo for us, but I'm just really excited to share with you guys this morning, and um, we're just gonna dive right into this. But I'd like to pray one more time if that's, that's all right with you guys. Is that all right? Father God, I acknowledge before you and before this congregation that there's nothing that I can say no cleverly crafted words that I can bring that is going to bring hope or healing. You alone are the only life giver. So I give this entire service to you and I say come and bring whoa, bring life. Yeah. I declare that life would spring up from the ground today, that life would spring up in the hearts of men and women as I hear your word declared thank you for honoring me with this opportunity to share your word. I love you. Amen. I'd like you guys to pray this after me and just as a way to prepare our hearts for for the word that I'm going to bring. So if you just repeat after me, Holy Spirit, Spirit, I freely receive receive. what you have prepared for me. me. Open Open my ears to hear your words. Open my eyes to see plainly what you have shown me. Give understanding to my mind that I may follow hard after you. Speak to my heart and change me to look more like Jesus. And if you're in agreement, we'd say, amen? amen. All right. Let's get started. Pastor Joshua has asked me to speak about the, lifestyle of, the evan- lifestyle of evangelism. But as you already know, this topic has been covered week after week by excellent speakers. They've talked about um, verbal declarations. They've talked about the mechanics of sharing. Um, and so there's not much that I can really bring that is going to uh, be in a new light. So I'm just going to put all of that aside and just talk about our life. What is our life in representation to a lifestyle of evangelism? If you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And if you don't have it, I'm going to have all of the, uh, the verses on the screen behind me. Romans 1, verse 20 says, For ever since the creation of the world, His invisible nature and attributes, that is, His eternal power and divinity, have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made, his handiworks. I love this verse. It means that when I go outside, that I can look at something and say, Father, what is it that you want me to know about you through this? What do you want to teach me about through this thing? What do you want to reveal to me about myself through this thing? And it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak and bring a revelation about who I am Does that make sense? You can go outside and you can look at trees or plants or flowers and you can ask your father to expose more of who he is to you. And so this morning I'm gonna pick out two things and we're going to compare them to a lifestyle of evangelism. The first one is called grafting. Wendy and I were watching TV one night. Uh, We like to watch the Discovery Channel and different programs like that. And there was this woman who is in the middle of a remote jungle working with cocoa pods. She didn't look like a scientist or um, that she was extremely educated. But she took this one cocoa pod that was sick and dying. It was in a patch that had a disease. And she simply lobbed it off with some crazy shiv knife that she had. She just lopped it off and brought it over to a patch that was healthy. And she took some bandages and she took some materials and she wove them together and then left. And the narrator said, this woman knows that in a few weeks she can come back and that she has brought life to this plant by transplanting it or grafting it from its original habitat into this new plant. Grafting, that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. What is grafting? Grafting is a horticultural technique whereby the tissues from one plant are inserted to those of another so that the two sets of vascular tissues may join. Imagine if you have a plant. I'm going to uh, exaggerate. The plant's stalk is this thick and all the little veins inside of it are little straws. That's where the water and nutrients are brought up out of the roots into the leaves. If you were to cut that off, that plant is going to die. But if you transplant it and graft it onto another plant and lop that off and put it on, eventually those little straws are going to realign and life is going to be transplanted from the rootstock into that new plant. I think that this is a beautiful representation of a lifestyle evangelism. What's involved? You cut the plant, you chisel it into a little point, you make a notch in the other plant, you insert the sick one into the healthy one, you wrap it up and you walk away sounds pretty simple right I want to highlight three areas of why you would do this one to overcome an insurmountable incompatibility I know that's pretty wordy but essentially if you have a plant that was planted in an environment where it was never going to survive you could cut it take a a cutting from it put it into another plant that has already overcome that condition that environmental surrounding and now, from this new plant, you'll have a species that is able to grow and thrive in that condition. Two, to expedite the ability of fruit bearing. Some, some uh, stuff that I've seen online says that when you take a plant that's, uh, that isn't going to bear fruit and you transplant it onto a root stock that is going to bear fruit, it can speed up the fruit bearing process by up to seven years. That, when I, when I heard that, that just blew me away. Here's the third one. To replace a damaged or diseased root system. You don't want that plant to die, but it is already dying. So you can take a cutting, put it on a plant that is living, and it will survive. I wanna show you a quick video of a tomato plant. The, the piece on the top that's green is a cutting that was taken from a plant that was going to die. I don't know why, but um, they transplanted it. The brown part on the bottom there is the healthy rootstock. And you can start to see a little bit of water kind of creeping up and down the vine. And what's going to happen is that um, those two grooves where they're touching will form a union, and there'll be permanently a scar there where that union has come to play. So if we just keep watching this, the plant looks like it's dying. But as its internal vascular system recognizes that the place it used to be, where it used to get life, is no longer existence, it has to recognize that I now have a new source of life. And as its vascular veins start to line up, it receives life. How cool is that? Anybody getting anything from the Holy Spirit on this yet? (laughs) There isn't much I'm gonna need to say about this because I think he's gonna do all the work the cutting is going to continue to die until it accepts life being offered by the, the new rootstock. And as a bonus note, the fruit that is formed by this union will be heavily influenced by the rootstock that it was attached to. Before, like uh, I said earlier on, before Wendy and I arrived at Christ Center, we were college pastors at another church. And we had a, a college program that was pretty intensive. Our goals were very simple, but it was, it was an around the clock thing. Our goals were this, to love God deeply and to allow students into our lives. That was it. We wanted to live life with students as much as possible. Bring them into your house, watch TV with them, talk with them, walk with them, play games with them. Where's Josh Davis? Play games with them. Um, I don't even know where you're at. There you are, hi. Um, let them see you at your best and let them see you at your worst. Don't hide life's raw moments from them. Live life with them. And through that, they will see a reflection of Jesus in you. How you handle stress. How you handle situations that are difficult. And so everything we did was considered a lifestyle of evangelism. Because we had students in our house every, about every day. Becky's here too. Becky used to live with us for a while. Thank you for coming to visit, Becky. The good news of the gospel isn't just something that we declare once with our mouth and then check it off our list. The good news is represented in a lifestyle and it can be seen by others. We've been grafted into Jesus Christ. He has taken us out of a situation where we were in impending doom and he grafted us to him And now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're bearing fruit that we could not bear otherwise. Do you think it's odd when people don't understand your joy? It's not our fruit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's not natural for us to produce. But because we're grafted in Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit births that through us. And it is a testimony of evangelism, of the good news. So within that context, I want to show you a picture. And um, if this is offensive, I'm going to apologize later. Can you see those signs? I'll, I'll pull out a few of them. God killed your kids. Thank God for IEDs. Your sons are in hell. AIDS cures, F blank, 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 S. You're going to hell. America is doomed. Is that evangelism? Why? That's not good news. Right? That's not good news. There is nothing about good news anywhere in that. In fact, it's offensive, and it turns people off. So how can we, as Christians, and this group professes to be God-fearing Christians, they say they believe the same Bible that we believe in. They also believe that this is the best methodology of evangelism. I strongly disagree. Why is it that we don't evangelize? My My screen just froze on me. Don't you love it when that happens? This is not a good form of evangelism. I think that this is actually crippling building community. I think this is crippling building relationships. This is crippling a legitimate evangelistic outreach by the Christian community. And I think that when the world sees this, they can't help but lot all of us into this. They call themselves Christians, we call ourselves Christians. So surely we we read the same Bible, we're getting the same results, and even though we may not hold signs like that, some people may automatically assume that we do. I wanna read an excerpt from a website called evilbible.com. You probably never thought you heard that from the pulpit, right? It says, Christians, they love to talk about how loving, dutiful, and compassionate they are, but I have yet to meet one who does not practice hypocrisy to the highest degree. Their willful ignorance of the Bible combined with their two-faced idealism to preach it. For nearly 2,000 years, Christians have been lecturing people on the importance of adhering to the Bible's teachings on ethics, manners, and morality. They quote Jesus and Paul profusely with a liberal sprinkling of Old Testament moralism. Key in on this, the problem with their approach lies not only in oft-noted failure to practice what they preach, but an equally pronounced tendency to simply ignore the Bible itself. Christians practice what can only be described as selective morality. What they like, they cling to, and shove down others' throats. What they don't, they ignore. That which is palatable and acceptable is supposedly applicable to all, while that which is obnoxious Inconvenient or self-denying is only applicable to those addressed 2,000 years ago. Sincerely, Chris Alibaba Thief. Some people think that about you and I because of things like this. They would call us hypocrites, knowing nothing about the love of the Father that lies within us, the message that we have to deliver. And I think that because of this, we become afraid to actually share the good news. Because we'll share the good news one day, and then the next day we may slip up, and they're going to go, oh, hypocrite. Hypocrite, hypocrite. Does that make sense? We're afraid to speak out. You know, you really shouldn't, or you know what, the love of God. And then the next day we, we happen to slip up, and someone's like, oh, you don't even believe those things in the first place. I want to clearly define what, hypocrite, what hypocrisy is and what it is not. Hypocrisy is a person who pretends, keyword pretends, to have virtues, moral or religious beliefs or principles that he or she does not actually possess. So, if you say you're a Christian, you're actually pretending, you're a hypocrite. Right? Here's Here's what hypocrisy is not. Hypocrisy is not simply failing to practice those virtues that one preaches. We all fall down and God's grace covers us in that. Don't be afraid to share your testimony, to share the good news of the gospel because somebody is gonna call you a hypocrite. If they call you a hypocrite, they clearly don't understand the definition of the word. Just because you fail once doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. I want to read something from a gentleman by the name of Samuel Johnson. He's an English writer. No these and thou's, but it's a little wordy here. He says, Nothing is more unjust, however common, than to charge another with hypocrisy, since he may be sincerely convinced that the advantages of conquering his passions without having yet obtained victory. As a man may be confident of the advantages of a voyage or a journey, without actually having the courage or industry to undertake it. A person may honestly recommend to others those attempts which he himself neglects. We may be convinced that the word of God is true and all that it says, but we still have a sinful nature, and sometimes we do fall. It's not an excuse, but that simple falling does not make you a hypocrite. Does that... Help anybody to not feel the pressure of sharing the gospel? Because someone's going to go, hypocrite, hypocrite. Does that actually help anyone? Awesome. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. In my personal life, here's how I a lifestyle of evangelism works. It's really simple. Take every opportunity afforded you. That's it. I know that I am born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, grafted into Jesus, and that the fruit of the Spirit is evident in my life. That's my everyday life. But when the opportunity arises to share the good news, take it. That's it. That is as simple as we could put it. Just take the opportunity. Pastor Joshua asked me to share two stories from my personal life, sharing about the good news or living a lifestyle of evangelism, and I'm gonna pare these down as quickly as I can. I was at work doing my normal thing, and I got a phone call that said, you need to go to Medford in the next few days. So I got off the phone, I started logging the call, and immediately the Holy Spirit said, you need to go right now. So I packed up my stuff, I got in the car, and I started going, and I was very Eager to see what it was, the Holy Spirit was was pointing me towards. So I'm driving through the hills on my way to Medford, and I see this guy up um, on the top of a hill looking out. The freeway is behind him, and he's looking off into the woods or the kind of the out in the middle of nowhere. And he wasn't hitchhiking. He wasn't trying to you know go anywhere. He's just standing there. And the Holy Spirit again said, "Pull over and ask him if he knows where he's going." So I just slowed down, rolled down my window, said, "Excuse me, you know where you're going?" And he goes, I was just asking God that same question. I was telling him that if he was actually real, that he needed to tell me right now. He needed to reveal himself right now. I was like, oh, well, that's cool, because the Holy Spirit told me to come, and, uh, come this way and then told me to come and ask you where you're going, if you knew you were going. His name was Dave. Dave got in my car and he said, you have something that I need to hear, so let's hear it. So there's the opportunity, right? It's not any clear, any clearer than that. So I didn't share my testimony, my testimony. I shared the good news. The good news is, guess what, Dave? God heard you. Jesus is alive today, and he still saves. Do you want to know his love right now? And he said, absolutely. So we got to pray the sinner's prayer, and Dave got born again in the car. Then I said, Dave, there's more you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. So I laid hands on Dave while driving down the freeway like this and sprayed over him. And Dave was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues in my car. He gets out of my car, fast forward, he gets out of my car when I'm at my location and he's just, just ripped. He's just all over. He's just, his mind is blown with what just happened. The revelation of I'm a son of the most high God and I've been forgiven. So he runs over to the payphone, he starts calling his family and just starts repenting. I didn't teach him what repentance was. He in that moment learned that if he could be forgiven by God, that he could be forgiven from his family. So he starts repenting to his family. No, 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 I don't need money, I don't need no, I'm not high, and he just he's just rambling off. And then he gets off the phone with them and he starts sharing Jesus with people in the parking lot. And I'm like, this is great. I went in, did my job, came back out, had lunch with Dave, and then asked him if he needed anything, and he said, no, I I know what I need to do. And so we parted ways. Take the opportunity afforded you. I didn't make any of those special circumstances happen. I just heard the Holy Spirit, and I said yes. Here's a second story. Didn't turn out quite as the first one did. Screen, do what I say. There we go. I'm at work again. And there's a task that's larger than I can accomplish by myself, so I need to hire somebody. I need them to have integrity because they're working with a lot of money. I need them to be honest, um, which is the same as integrity. I need them to be humble, teachable, and I need them to be able to replicate a skill that I'm teaching them. So I hired this young man um, and it was great. We would drive three hours to a location. We'd work on something, we'd come back and we'd talk and we'd talk. And one day he says, hey, there's, there's something different about you. And knowing exactly what he was talking about, I was like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And he goes, no, 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 there's something, there's something different about you. Are you a Christian? And I thought, take every opportunity afforded you. Yes. And that was it. Simple yes. And he retorted with, well, I'm an atheist. I said, okay. And kept driving. None of this. Just, just kept driving. And he goes, but you're not like other Christians. Okay. What's, what's different about you? And I said, well, I don't know your other friends, but your other Christian friends, but are they, are they filled with the Holy Spirit? And that immediately captivated his mind. What's the Holy Spirit? I said, no, 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 who's the Holy Spirit? And he goes, yeah, that. <laughs> I said, well, would you like to meet the Holy Spirit? And he was like, yeah, that'd be, yeah, yeah. So I put on um, a song by Stephanie Frizzell, and I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, Holy Spirit, you're already here with us, but will you make yourself known to, and I said his name, will you make yourself known to him right now? And like a weighty presence came into the car, and my assistant started to get sick. And I was like, oh, that was kind of weird. Didn't really think of it. Like, looking back now, I know what was going on. It's a different topic for a different day, though. And he was like, Oh, man, I don't feel so good. So we pulled over, and he was, he was getting sick to his stomach. Later on, he's asking more questions Tell me more about this Holy Spirit. And so every time we'd speak about the Holy Spirit, he'd start to get sick in my car. Um, fast forward. He trains well, everything is good. He's asking all these questions. And then we get to the, the test where I actually need him to perform and he fails, and he fails, and he fails, and he fails, and he cost me a lot of money and a lot of time. And it turned out that he was not the right person for this. Now in that moment, I could have said, okay, well, Lord, I'm witnessing to this guy. Um, Maybe I could keep him on, but it wasn't the right thing to do, so I let him go. As soon as I let him go, he marched straight to the HR office and said, I was not hired because I refused to become a Christian. And so I got called into the HR office and we had a meeting and I got called into the owner's office and we had another meeting and I got called into the conference room with all the people who make decisions and my job was on the line. And they said, have you been sharing Jesus? I said, he asked a question, I gave him an answer. Have you been playing Christian music in the car? Yes. Have you shared Jesus with anybody else? And I was able to stand calm and say every person that I work with has at one point or another asked me to explain my life because it doesn't make sense to them. And so I got to share the good news with these people in the conference room. (laughs) And they walked out of there going, you can't do that anymore. You, You just can't do that anymore. If people ask, you can tell them later, but you can't do that on the clock. So I said, okay. Sometimes you take the opportunity afforded you and people get saved and they start running around in parking lots evangelizing. And sometimes you take the opportunity afforded you and somebody tries to get you fired. Either way, it's part of the lifestyle of an evangelist. It is part of the lifestyle of evangelism. It comes with the territory, but the good news is that the Holy Spirit has not left us without a way to manage both of these scenarios. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 screen says for I am not ashamed of the gospel because of the power because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. I forgot to mention, my, my apprentice asked me, what do I have to do to get saved? And so we went, we started talking about the, the Romans' road to salvation, the, the sinner's prayer. And we got through it, and he, he wanted to know all about it, and we got to the end, and he said, that's good information. It's good news to him who believes. It's not my responsibility to make him believe. It's not my responsibility to manipulate my job circumstances to keep him on so that I can witness. God's got that under control. Mark 16, 15 says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach. These are both declarations, commands to go out and verbally share the good news. But here in Philippians, I wrote Philip, Philippians 1:27 and Ephesians four, these are both declarations to live the life. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'm gonna skip down to Ephesians. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received. Sometimes just living the life and allowing your life to be present and active and not shielded from people in community is evangelism. That's not to say that you shouldn't open your mouth when you need to, but your life is evangelism. Galatians 5.22. I'm gonna jump forward here in my notes. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You notice it's fruit, like one fruit, not fruits as in multiple fruits. The fruit, one, of the Holy Spirit. Whose fruit? Holy Spirit's fruit. It's not my fruit, it's the Holy Spirit's fruit. But how is the Holy Spirit's fruit being evident in my life? Remember, we're grafted into Jesus, and the fruit of the Spirit is being birthed through us, which is good because it looks good on us, right? It looks good on us. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work of which his presence within accomplishes is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've been talking about grafting, all from watching a television show on TV. I wanna shift gears and start to land this plane and show you something else that I saw in the world that started to bring a revelation about my relationship with Jesus. And um, I want to thank Josh for helping me make this video. So tune in. Here we go.
2: Science time. Cool glasses off. Safety glasses on. Hair. Perfect. Welcome to Davis Science World. This is you. Look at this. Isn't this amazing? It's you in your natural habitat. This is my left hand, your mortal enemy. We're gonna introduce some stress and persecution into your life.
1: This is a little bit of stress. We can deal with a little bit of stress, right? No
2: splash, no splash.
1: Little water rippling there.
2: Stress equals splash. Bad, science.
1: You ever feel like that?
2: This is the Holy Spirit. Let's see what happens when you introduce a little spirit.
1: That's not enough spirit.
2: Yeah, that's not quite enough. The Holy Spirit! Spirit! Mixed you all up. Let's see what happens when we introduce a little stress.
0: Did you see that? Look at how it I I make it
1: It's still liquid though. You ever been hit that hard? Somebody's science mind is being blown right now.
2: So, if you want to live a lifestyle of evangelism... Remember this, you with the Holy Spirit is better than you without the Holy Spirit. Science out!
1: Also, a special thanks to Carly for mowing my backyard. (laughs) We got a bowl of water. It's us. Water has what's called Newtonian properties. I'm gonna nerd out for a moment, bear with me. Newtonian fluid doesn't change its thickness depending on how much stress is applied to it. If it stays thin, if you gently apply stress, and it stays thin if you strike it really hard. It just gets out of the way. Have you ever felt persecution where you like, oh, just get me out of the way? By the power of the Holy Spirit, which in that was cornstarch, you mix them together, it's called oobleck, um, named after uh, Dr. Seuss's book, uh, Bartholomew and the Ublek*. It's a good read. <laughs> Ublek is a non-Newtonian fluid which means it's completely liquid when it's at rest. It pours like water, it pours just like any other liquid, but as soon as you apply stress to it, its shear rate is equal to the stress rate that you put on it. If you hit it with a hammer, it's gonna give you a hammer's resistance. If you step on it, it's gonna give you the weight that you step on it. If you run it over with a car, it's gonna give you a car's resistance. Anybody getting anything from the Holy Spirit on that? It stays at rest until it needs to become active. Stoning of Stephen. Here he is. People are yelling, screaming. And he stands there. And the Bible says they had to stop because his face shone like an angel. They drag him outside and they start throwing rocks at him. They're going to kill him. And what does he say? He's not like, ah! He says, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. That isn't possible with the fruit in our lives. That's only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. What about Paul and Silas in jail? They're singing in jail. That isn't a normal reaction. They have lots of force coming against them, and they produce a reaction that is not common to this world. What about Jesus on the cross? His entire disposition while on the cross was not that which the world was able to recognize. The way he handled himself, even at the end, the Roman soldier said, surely, surely he was who he said he was. Does that make sense? Oobleck, Google it. It's really cool stuff. What it says to me is that I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to accomplish the task of evangelism. I need the Holy Spirit, his presence in my life, so that people are attracted to the good news. Let's land this plane, shall we? We receive access to life through Jesus, just like the tomato plant we saw, being rescued from certain death to certain life. We receive the power of the Spirit to live the lifestyle of evangelism daily What can we learn? What can we gain from these things? Grafting on a spiritual level, here it is. Why grafting? Originally, it was to overcome an insurmountable incompatibility. When we allow ourselves to be grafted and allow the fruit of the spirit to be present in our lives, we are revealing salvation through Jesus. That's it. People see us make it through things that should crush us. And Jesus is revealed. To expedite the ability of fruit bearing. That's bringing heaven to earth. And finally, to replace a damaged or diseased root system. It's loving others towards restoration. We can learn a lot from grafting. We can learn a lot from the things around us. We just need to take the time to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and reveal these things. So the next time you're in the store and you see a tangelo, which is a grafted tangerine and pomelo, you're gonna think about grafting. You're gonna think about the Holy Spirit in your life. I wanna close, and Pastor Joshua, if you'd come up, um, I wanna close by reading Isaiah chapter 11, just a few verses out of that. Yeah, the audible. Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1, says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. I'm talking about Jesus. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on heresy. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. Jumping down to verse 10. In that day, the heir to David's throne, Jesus, will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of the people. You know what the narrator said at the end of at the end of the show with the woman and the cocoa pods. He said this. He said this woman has come to realize that through one root, all of her crops will live; not one will be lost. Pastor Josh.
0: I think the beautiful thing that God's releasing I think through this word really is hope and uh, Jason came up as we were having ministry time and he was just saying he felt like God was really highlighting second chances and I, I just see a theme here entering into Jesus, allowing his Holy Spirit to bring life and I feel like today, ministry team would you come forward? If you're here I feel like it would be appropriate today, if you're one needing a second chance, come forward and get prayer today. Add steps to the revelation that's coming to you today. I just, I just, I feel like it's important today. Don't just receive this as information, but act upon the revelation of what the Holy Spirit brought. There was a lot in this message today, but but if it hit you today, come forward and get prayer and just say, this piece, this This meant something to me, and I just want to come and agree with the Lord that I'm stepping from here into here, that I'm coming out of this root system, and I'm grafting into this root system. So as the Holy Spirit does his work, please don't leave without taking a step towards this word that's been given today, what the Holy Spirit's doing in you, amen? All right, so we're going to just release you to, uh, to get prayer. And, uh, and as we do that, I also want to remind everyone that we're having a picnic together in the, on the, in the grass here right after service. So after you've been prayed for, uh, bring your picnic stuff. Come to the back. We're going to just hang out and have lunch together and just enjoy each other's company. And if you didn't bring food, um, run to DQ and grab something and come have lunch with us. We just want to spend some time together. Blessings on you guys.